from worlds beyond to right at the gaming table. These are all my fantasy children. And welcome all to October. The weather has been cold and spooky. Spring. I was working on a podcast and posting in a Discord. I was looking for advice now to grow my show. He said it's a good idea to have a theme song you wrote. So I got to my lab and I wrote the song. It's called the verse. He's called, called the, the monster, monster man. and we've been copyright struck. Damn Just it, over. everybody! Uh, we had a good run. We had a lot of fun, everyone. And I... lawyers are currently taking all of the things out of my bedroom, which most of them were not used for the podcast. So I don't know how they have access to them, but it's the magic of copyright. Anyway, welcome all to All My Fantasy Children. My name is Aaron Catano Sayas. And my name is Jeff Stormer. This is All My Fantasy Children. It's a character creation, world building, and storytelling podcast powered by your incredible listener prompts. Each week, we take one of those listener prompts, spin it to an original fantasy character, world detail, what have you, use it to populate our fantasy world called fantasy, but also it's October and it's kind of chilly. So that means it got cold. It, it got did. Cold real it's like, quick. what is that, like 50 right now? Let's Something call. like that. Yeah, it's chilly. I'm about I got it. My- I got my flannel on. I'm feeling good. I love it. I've been wearing sweatpants all day. My windows are actually open. It's incredible. So that means we don't have to get spooky, but we can like, if you feel a spooky impulse, welcome to all my spooky children month because it's pumpkin feeling time. It. I'm I am feeling, feeling it. it. I'm feeling it's like the, season. it's decorative gourd time. I just bought another Halloween shirt that I'm going to wear all the time because finally they're available. The stuff with jack-o'-lanterns on it. I'm living the motherfucking dream. Now, I want to ask you, Jeff. Yeah. I want to bring back a segment. In our Discord, a segment was requested to come back, and I would like to start uh, with a bit that's called Jeff and Aaron's Snack Corner. Jeff, what's a snack that you've had lately that you'd like to talk about and share? Oh, a snack that I've had lately that I'd like to talk about and share. That is a really good question. Right. Uh, gosh, I'm trying to think about the snacks that I've had recently that aren't just like chips. Mmm, chips, though. Do you have any good chips lately? Chips. Uh, not like, it's not like anything special. Special. What is your favorite um, chip? Can I ask that? God, my favorite chip. I I I love Pringles. Yo, of what kind? Plain? I'm a, I'm a cheddar Pringle guy. Oh, those are fucking fire. I I love I love a cheddar Pringle. I love a pizza Pringle. Yeah. I love I love combos. Oh, yo, combos are good. People sleep I'm on a, combos. I'm a, combo, I'm a combos guy. I'm good. a combos fan. Mm, what I'm pro, kind? I'm pro combos. Just the regular uh, cheddar in the tube or the pizza I'm kind? A pizza pe- I'm a pizzeria pretzel guy mm. through and through. I don't really, I don't have time for the other ones. That's, I got no page. Fuck those other combos. Those, that's, those are the ones for me. Those are my combos. I, uh, lately, I, I mean, I've been a Cheeto fanatic for a long time. I love me some motherfucking Cheetos. I'm very passionate about my cheese curls, all the brands. It doesn't have to be Chester Cheetah brand, but crunchy Cheetos are undeniably like one of the most powerful cheddar snacks in the snack space. <laughs> That's power. It, it's a powerful snack. It is. It's good. They're crunchy and salty and they're perfect. And I use them, uh, when I like, know I'm going to have a night in, I like going full out where I'm like, you know what? I'm going to buy like maybe some nice like sake or something because I'm cool like that. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get a a bag of crunchy Cheetos and start a new show. There's such a comfort when you have your favorite snack with you that as an adult, 
you're just like it, it is settling in for a co- isn't it cozy i always get it that is. cozy it, feeling it's very very cozy very cozy oh god oh you know what i have had recently what uh, have you had the, chi- the chips that i had that are very special and they're not they're hard to find but they are they are magical and wonderful you what uh taco bell makes chips what Taco Bell make like you. There are Taco Bell chips that are flavored with Taco Bell sauce, like seasoning. Okay, this I you know me. I don't really me and Taco Bell have a hate relationship. So Taco Bell like potato chips. Yeah, they're like they're like they're like to uh, tortilla chips, uh, and they like they're Taco Bell chips, and they you can get like the mild flavor or the the fire flavor. Oh, since when? What the fuck is this? This is like a fairly recent thing. Uh, oh yeah, there are articles from 2018 from Eater. Oh. Yeah, like they have all the flavors. The mild, the mild and fire taco chips, outstanding. Better than Doritos. Big fan of them. Different than Doritos. Okay. If I'm getting Doritos, I want Doritos. I feel if this. I'm getting like a like a like a cheesy Dorito, I want that. But like they're the both the mild and the fire, both very good for different reasons. I I, agree. I feel that same way about Cheetos because people are like people are always asking, which is not true. But when I do get Cheetos and someone's with me, it's like, does it matter the brand? Like they accomplish different purposes. Like Jacks, J A X. Those have more of like a subtle cheddar flavor. It's more like nutty. It's less of that bright artificial shit cheddar that's on a Cheeto, that dust. Whereas hers, the regional snack version, is a much more pure, delicious, well-balanced cheddar flavor. So I know what you mean. You got to get like different chips for different purposes. It's all good. Yeah, exactly. And that has been Jeff and Aaron's Snack Corner. (laughs) Got it. We did it. We got there. Oh, gosh. I'm very excited to do uh, Spooky Season because I like our spooky prompts, but I also just like, uh, it's not that everything has to be scary, but I do like when that air is in the air, when like people are starting to hang up fake cobwebs and spiders and shit, because what is it? Today is the 18th and it's 6.45 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, so people are getting fucking spooky with their decorations. People are, people are getting people are getting, are getting into the magic. And that's why I, I saw it. So yesterday, I wanted to get into the fall magic. And so I go to the, I go to Prospect Park to like write ideas and shit. Um, anytime listener that I've ever said like, so I was writing it, Jeff, let me read this to you. I'm usually just sitting in Prospect Park being, I'm that broody person sitting on a tree stump by the water with a notebook out. And you're like, what the fuck is that person doing? It asked me. Um, usually the camera is swirling around him. He's singing a song about like true. dreams or some shit. I, I always have a song in my heart and I'm singing out loud about like pursuing dreams. Looking off the mirror in the middle distance. Yeah, I look at my reflection in the water and then a fish bubbles up to the surface and, I, and it messes up my concentration. I go, oh, hello, friend. But that is me. I am the Snow White of fantasy, fake fantasy writing. So, Jeff. I wanted to write, so I was thinking a lot about our hometown of South Jersey, the region of South New Jersey. Um, it, it's, it has its ups and downs, but by and large, it's fucking slept on, because I recently did a Tales of Catering. I recently went to the Hamptons uh, in New York, which are like, you know, it's billionaire land to do an event. And I noticed that there's a sign that said, the Hamptons are Pine Barrens, Jeff. The Hamptons, you know where billionaires live? Yeah, they're, yeah. they're fucking Pine Barrens, like South Jersey. And we and we have those. And we have those, but they're not like where billionaires live, that's for fuck sure. So I was like, oh my God, this is all a matter of perspective and clearly marketing. But also I started to think about our, we have a place in our world that's called Ruin that is seen as like a dangerous place that's like shitty and bad and no one wants to go there. But like the landscape's not that different than everywhere else. It's just full of like, you know, giant creatures and stuff like that. And it has bad marketing, basically. So I wrote a thing, if I can read it. It's like a page and a half. No. Okay. No. All right. I'm logging off. 
All right. Uh, you can follow. You can tweet at us at AMFC <laughs> underscore podcast. <laughs> All right. So I wrote, Ruin. The land devoid of magic. Oh, no. What hardships the people who live there must face. Wait. People? In ruin? The land that no lane line could reach? The same land that in ancient times was scarred by Sarath the Carrying King's demonic energy? Where city-sized creatures roam and the wind is so strong it can carry you away? People choosing to live there? <laughs> Over all of the amazing places we have created on fantasy? See, isn't that a shitty way of thinking? Isn't that just awful? I want to talk about ruin. And the descendants of those who left, if you remember the episode about Penumbra, where it was two orders who stand at the edge of Ruin, making sure monsters from Ruin don't enter the rest of fantasy. It's like two orders of like knights, kind of. So I thought of descendants of Penumbra left and entered Ruin at one point and set up a settlement and lived there. But why did they go? Because we established that Celeste Silverna in those audio dramas, her family lives there. And there's like one fucking family that lives in ruin and they don't have magic and they're just living and they're happy. So we talked about all the dangerous things in ruin, but we've never known why there are people who went there. And after generations of whatever they were after initially... Why are there now, like, you know, after generations of, like, for example, like 49ers, like, went out to get gold, you know, generations later, their their descendants are not still fucking mining for gold, but it brought people there. So I want to find out why, like, basically, why is there one family in Ruin? And I want to talk about why Ruin isn't a shithole. Because I hate that the standard, Jeff, of Mordor, I fucking hate. I yeah, hate sure, the Mordor where it's 100%. Like, yeah, we're like, oh, Mordor, this is bad. What is? The people in it? Yes. So is the land bad? Yes. No. Okay, that doesn't make any fucking sense. It's where evil people live. Wow, that's okay. Yeah, it's gross. Yeah, yeah exactly. Gross so bad. I realized that we were not hammering on that, but we made ruin dangerous because we said you can't access magic and therefore you can't like defend yourself. And that against like there happens to be also like mountain-sized creatures everywhere. And then I was like, hmm, our rule about monsters though or creatures are something more akin to wild animals. So they're kind of just existing out there. Yeah. I want to find out who were the first people to leave the settlements of Penumbra, the land between light and shadow, venture into ruin, and through whatever circumstance, ended up settling there and generations later led to Celeste Silverna. Because my bookend to this is... Hold, please. Penumbra is the city between light and shadow. Celeste Silverna is a mix of light and shadow, of chaos and order energy, demonic and in fantasy. But I want to talk about, like, eventually she obviously saves the world, ends the dark future. So how do we get there? You know what I mean? Why is, yeah. why is her fucking family there? Who were the first people to venture out and live in ruin? And I want to talk about the landscape, if that's a thing we can do. Yeah, 100%. And I have a prompt to help push us there. Thank goodness. From I know I just talked a lot, and I apologize. But Fantasy Child at Heart in our Discord said, Prompt, a gardener that tends a garden which grows creatures. Mm. Which mm. is very Serath, what we talked about, which is interesting. They're very, they're kind of similar. Mm-hmm. I, I have some thoughts, and I was hearing you talk, and like, I agree with you 100% on like the sort of Mordor angle, and I agree that we kind of leaned into what is a pretty like gross and not great thing and I, i'm excited for the opportunity place. yeah it's an easy that's probably yeah. the best way to it's put it easy and and i i've been thinking about it and like there is a, a, a vibe that i get that i feel like the answer to the question of like who leaves penumbra and like goes into the city of, or into the region of ruin and who lives here and raises families for generations is ultimately 
The answer that I want to give is a little bit simpler. There, I don't. I want to say that it's a little bit simpler than perhaps uh, we think it might be or it could be. All right, what are you thinking? I'm thinking about the real world. Yeah. People live in very dangerous places. Yeah, the word would be like inhospitable, like, you know, tough, tough terrain, you know, where it's challenging for humans to live in an ecosystem. Yeah, like people live in those places. And like the answer is because they wanted a space of their own or because they loved the like I this is kind of where I do want to talk about the landscape, because like you have people that move to, to places like you know, Tornado Alley or yeah. Death Valley or like these these places that are largely inhospitable. Uh, Australia, where every third thing could kill you. Yeah. Like, yeah, there are people who live in these places. And the answer is very simply there. You know, there are a million stories for why people come to those places or arrive at those places or, or settle in those places. But a lot of times it's just literally this is my home. Right. Like and I think there is. An element of, I like the idea that there is an element of very simply, I like this space, right? They love this region. They love what makes it special. We had said one of the defining features of Ruin is these giant creatures, right? These giant, you know, monsters and beings and and wild animals and magical creatures of all shapes and sizes. What if somebody was just into that, right? Yeah, like, like that's my shit. If somebody just loved animals and like like we've said that magical creatures are in a lot of ways just like just like wild animals and kind of getting at that idea of like uh, there's an idea that I've seen floated on a few different like fantasy blogs, right? About a few different like role-playing game blogs about the idea that a monster that, like, a lot of what we think of as monsters in our world, right? A lot of the sort of legendary beasts in our world. Yeah, like the whole cryptid equals monster type thing and, you know, rooted in mythology based in fear of the unknown. And a lot of those things, like, there are there are cases where there are, like, documented, like, real monsters, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and those monsters a lot of times are, like, something to the effect of, an animal like was in a bad spot and like eating people to survive. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, of course. A lot of what we think of is these big terrifying animals, right? Your your sharks and your tigers and are also cats and fish, right? Like yeah. if you approach it with love and care. And so like if somebody really does is just like excited about like animals and nature and like you know that stuff is if that stuff is just what excites you this is a very exciting and interesting place to to kind of live okay okay so this is basically the first person to leave penumbra do you want to talk about them or just the region in general because i think i want to talk about the region in general and i want to i think i think i want to uh if i can go big for a moment please go big i like the idea that perhaps it's not one single like because we said at the end of that episode that like penumbra falls apart and everyone just kind of scatters to the wind yes that whole order of keeping monsters you know penned because it was very zookeeper i was listening again i was like we're talking talk about fucking zookeepers keeping monsters in an entire continent and which so sucks. like we kind of just say they kind of scatter to the wind and so i i like the idea that it's not necessarily like one family but like half of what was a pretty like considerable community just kind of scatter and some of them are like actually i i'm really interested in these animals i'm interested in this environment i've also just lived here for like i came yeah, here it's where for i'm work. from i'm it's my place it's my home 
Right. Like, you know, we, we talked about a lot of the, the sort of stewards of Penumbra and we kind of said that, like, they had been there for years. And so a lot of them were just like, this is my, you know, these mountains are my home. Like, I don't I don't have a home back there. This is this is I came here to live. And so I'm going to continue to live here and kind of scattered out into the larger area to sort of make their living in ruin. And like, there are some of them that were like, there are giant creatures here. That's the coolest thing on the planet. It's like, yes, it's dangerous and I can't use magic, but like, that's what I like. I think it, it, it's, it's everything where it's like the fact that I can't just cast fucking spells to solve all my goddamn problems. Yeah. Like there are people that are like, I I'm looking for a way to live that is not driven by this magical energy in the air yeah i i i resonate with this a lot as someone who like i personally love going out in the middle of fuck all and unplugging my cell phone doesn't work i have to rely on my instincts and my abilities to like make a fire catch a fish you know know what plants will kill me things like that i have a passion about this so i dig that it's like people being like i i don't want to be so attached to this fucking paracausal power that like lets me defy everything and you know basically kick ass constantly you know yeah sometimes sometimes you want to live in it like i i think there's a lot of cool cool possibility there and i i also i keep coming back to this idea of like someone that just says i love and like i love animals right like i've I've loved animals and there are animals here that i'm never going to see anywhere else on this planet i'm gonna go and just like you know go and like study animals and i i love that idea that like this space was sort of like as this this community that ostensibly served to kind of hold against this sort of region right like yeah to kind of, they feared it they were afraid yeah. of it impeding it is mordor where uh what ministerith ministerith is the city at the edge of mordor yeah yeah it's yeah. very that and when i was thinking about it i was that was the reference i was having in my head of this like the last bastion on the edge of something dangerous and i was like ugh and i and and to me like peeling back the curtain going writers room for a moment of course that's going to be this whole fucking episode i love that in this world that we've created like that sort of othering that sort of like distancing, that sort of like bas- self-proclaimed bastion failed. It failed, and yeah. part of the reason it failed was because I think people were people realized. I I like the 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 sort of symbolism of like people realizing that that is the problem, and that that community, that community that exists to other this place crumbled and crumbled to dust, and. In its place came people living in this space who had, you know, who who are finding a way that is more at peace with the place that they are. Yeah, it, it's it's something really true in real life. Like when you and I were talking recently about like, if you had all the resources and money in the world, where would you live? And I'm like, in the Pine Barrens in New Jersey, I would want a little house on like a lake or a river. And everybody was like, what? Blah, blah, blah. And you were like, I would stay right where I am because I like where I'm at. Yeah. And it, it's very... We are children of ruin. We are people right. who are like, no, this is awesome. Like this is this is my like this place that I I came here and found my home. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't want to leave this place because this place is my home. I love it. Where all these things that from one perspective are like, oh my God, but it's like it okay, so something I know you resonate with is when people are fucking rude about living in a city. Where they're like, I could never. Are you kidding? Everyone's on top of you. There's crime. It's dirty. And you're like, you sound like a huge piece of shit. 
I'm like, yeah, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Yes, that is ruin to me, where it's that idea where, like, and I, I slipped this into a Celeste Silverna thing where it's Celeste is hearing things about ruin from Headless Seven recounting history as if it's this cursed place damaged by a god that came and was killed by the five jewel crown oh this evil land and celeste's like that's not what that is to me it's like the place where the winds are beautiful and like you know the the cattails grow 40 feet high and like it's the most beautiful it's my home it's incredible you don't know ruin i do and that's why it's like it's her secret that it's like yeah. no that's it, i know what it is and you no one can change that that's what I want Ruin to be, is not that people are xenophobic toward the people that live there or the region, but kind of, they are kind, most people, I feel like, are caught up in the Minas Tirith idea of like, oh, it's got bad history and it's scary. Mm-hmm. Do you think people in fantasy are afraid to go to Ruin? Or do they, or conversely, do you think that they don't even know anything about it? Because I, I imagine it's far as fuck. I want to. I want to steer away from like active xenophobia. Yeah, and I, I think yeah. the idea that I think the idea that like it is it is a place that is so far. Out, you know what? You know what it is. What using a real world example, please? It's Antarctica. Yeah, it's far as fuck. Nobody, nobody, like, like the amount of people that have gone to Antarctica, and like yep. the amount of people that you know that are like, yeah, I went to Antarctica. Like, twas dope. Had a great honeymoon. <laughs> you kind of like know about it, right? Like there, like I like there are details that we know about it, but like the people that have gone there, or like the South Pole or the North Pole, it's the sense of like I know it exists, but I doubt I'll ever see it. And, I'm never going there, <laughs> and my assumptions about it are strictly based on like pictures I've seen and other people's perspective. Where yeah. some, like the researchers who are there are like, this place is unbelievable. It's the most yeah, incredible like thing I've ever seen. I'm seeing things. I'm seeing things that I'm never going to see anywhere else on the planet. Yes. Like I'm seeing. I'm seeing the the pole on which everything magnetic is pointed towards. Like yes. it is this incredible experience if you're there. Or like, yeah, I love the idea that it is like Antarctica, or it's like uh, it's like seeing Earth from orbit, or it's like the moon. Yes, I love that, that. idea of like because like you know the astronauts have talked about how like it is a a, a Akin to a religious experience to see the Earth from orbit. And, like, I just have to accept them at that. (laughs) Yes, of course. And, like, it's this idea that, like, I know what things are like theoretically on the moon. I I know. In theory, I'm never going to the moon. (laughs) No. And so I have to take, I have to take their word for it. And I kind of can draw, I draw conclusions based on that. So I feel like that, is that more of ruined where people are like, I don't know, it's, it is that far. You have to be, like, it's. It's so removed, I feel like, from everything that it's just far away and no one's ever gone. And that it's removed from magic makes it this, like, extreme space of, like, I can't, like, I can't visualize it, right? Like, I can't, like, I can't cast a spell or work with a wizard and, like, see it or teleport to it. Yes. Like, I could get theoretically close, but, like, it is this thing that, like, no matter how far you are... No matter how close you are, like, there's still, like, a mammoth distance to it. And how does this, how is this? I also compare it in my head to someone who is a novice, novice backpacker going to Canadian grizzly country. They're like, I wouldn't survive there. I don't know how. Like, I don't have the skills necessary to make that even work. Like Antarctica. Like, some people are like, yeah, I know how to survive in Antarctica. I could do that. It's great. I've never been, but I could. Ruin, it's like, 
how are people in fantasy going to do it without fucking magic? Exactly. They don't have the skills. So it's everybody being like, nah, I'm good. Like, I'm sure it's great because I don't want it to be xenophobic. We're focusing not on that. It's the fact that it's for people who rely on, we say people use magic for fucking everything. For you to not be able to access that, you got to be a bad motherfucker to be like thriving in ruin. And it's just, it's just a part of the, it's, it is so far and so removed from the world that you know. Yeah. That it's just like, it is, it almost doesn't exist in the way that like. It's just a page in a book. It's people, right, a like, page in people's geography book. It is in the way that the surface of the moon, like it, it only exists academically in your mind. I, I really kind of dig this because I wanted to clarify all this stuff and like what this place was is kind of, it's, it's a level 99 zone and most people in fantasy are around level 10. Mm-hmm. You know, they just don't have what it takes to be able to take away their magic. And it's something I think about. This is how peek behind the curtain. This is welcome to writer's room episode. Something I think about a lot is when people wrap their entire identity around what they do. And then when they can't do it anymore, what happens when they look in the mirror? Who do they see? And I think a lot about that with what we've made of magic. A lot of people wrap their entire identity about what they can do with their magic power. And I feel like a lot of people are afraid to look at themselves and wonder, who am I without this? You know, what can I do? What function do I have? You know, what function does Arthur have without super magic ability and a magic sword? He's just like a joke-telling aardvark. You know, he's not the king. He's not all-powerful, blah, 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 blah. And so I feel like it's a fear people have because going to ruin is kind of a place where you you either have what it takes or you don't, and you have to go through some deep self-reflection mm. because mm-hmm. it takes everything you are away according to fantasy standard of who you are. I put that in air quotes. And so what you're describing that I love is it's like the, the supernatural. Dome. I'm kidding. It's the supernatural equivalent of seeing Earth from from orbit. It is the sense of like, it changes your relationship to everything that you are. Yeah, because it strips you down to your barest, you know? To hear to hear astronauts talk about it, like, you know, they, they've all described, like this experience has been described again and again and again, where you look at Earth, you look at everything, and to see all of it in your eye, it, it changes your perspective to everything, because you go, oh, fuck, we're nothing. Like, you know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah. It, like you said, it strips you down because you look at it and you go, oh, my God, that's how insignificant I'm we are. a grain of sand. Yeah. And Ruin has that same quality by being like, I'm the most powerful. <laughs> I'm just a person. Oh, boy. That's a deep, that's a deep kind of, you know, that's a deep gaze in the mirror of like, who am I if I'm not, you know, Gorthak the powerful warrior anymore who has a magic axe when it's just a lump of metal amfc listeners tweet us your prompts for about gorthak the powerful warrior let's get to know this character get to know this character um and it's something i i want to hint i hint at a lot i i need to be less subtle in my work because like celeste soverna's whole thing is like she's a kid from ruin who grew up without magic she doesn't know anything about it. She knows that people have it, I think. I don't know. I don't know if I've decided yet. But she gets it through this, like, all-powerful wand that lets her, like, command the leyline beasts and do dope shit. But it's more about when she meets people from fantasy. Like, she meets Headless Seven, and it's like, oh, you're, like, you guys are babies. Like, you know, you don't, like, your entire identity is wrapped around this power. You have nothing else to it. And you'll never yeah. know what, 
no one, Celeste knows that like she knows more than people in fantasy because she's gone her entire life without this, you know, uh, something to lean on called like, I can just solve all my problems with a thunderbolt with a healing spell. She's like, I have to know how to like make medicine out of herbs and shit. And like, you guys did all that. It's basically magic is privilege. <laughs> Magic was in my, in Celeste Silverna, magic is my metaphor for privilege. And that's kind of like the vibe that I get from her and them is like, they are down to earth, just like, honestly, South Jersey people. And that's I kind of it. the vibe it. that I get from, uh, from the, that family and the people who live in ruin is like, you know, the fucking people who are just solving all their problems with magic. Not that it's like, oh, big city folk, but just that it's just, I don't need it. I don't want it. It's it's very much me. Like, I want to one day move off the fucking grid and live in a house that's in the middle of fucking nowhere where, like, I get internet and that's about it. But, like, it takes an hour to drive to my house through the woods. So, like, I get this idea of being like, I don't want... I watched someone at a work event, Tales from Catering. I watched someone buy a $20,000 pen to, uh, this week. A pen, Jeff. A pen. $20,000. Oh, sorry, hold on. I got a nosebleed. <laughs> RPG PDFs cost too much. Aaron is... <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I thought about, like... God, and I kept thinking, like, you can't help but have these... Hi, listener. This is almost like a behind-the-curtains, like, chat with us episode as we make this region. I was thinking about if I had everything. Like, I had, my bank account is just the, letter, the number nine. What would I do with it? And I have no impulse based on where I'm from and my parents are in my life to ever do dumb, uh, what, what's the opulent, stupid shit like that? Like buy a $20,000 pen or wear a suit that's like, you know, fucking five grand and things like that. And I was thinking about Celeste Silverna. I have so much time to think as I'm carrying cocktails to the wealthy about like, what is fantasy? And this is what made me start thinking about like what I want ruin to be is like, I didn't want it to be this place where it's like essentially hill people who are like, well, we don't have magic. Like, I don't want them to be, you know, like Amish. I didn't want people in ruin to be like this. Oh, they don't have magic. And isn't that a shame? I want it to be like, they know a life that's kind of better than relying on magic and being caught up in shit like pumpkin growing wars. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, that it's the joy of being unplugged from um, societal bullshit. You know, the petty, the day to day. Like, you know, is that does that work? Yeah, I love it. I think it's fantastic. I think it's good, good shit. Now what? Do you want to like build out the region? Talk about what it looks like? Uh, we just keep talking about it. Honestly, I I, I like the idea. Uh, there's because there's stuff that I'm curious about. I kind of want to like throw in. I, we have this prompt, and I kind of want to like gesture towards it. Oh yeah, it a I forgot bit. all about the prompt. I was very caught up in our own bullshit. <laughs> no, no, because I think like now that we've kind of set the stage, I I don't think I have a ton of like depth to this to this prompt. I think that like the prompt itself kind of guided a lot of that conversation for me of the idea yeah. of like a farm that grows monsters. This idea of like having a place where like what I what I think of when I hear that is like um. Not like a livestock farm, something almost akin to uh, like a uh, like a wildlife refuge or yeah, conservatory. That is exactly what I'm thinking as well. And so, like, I picture, I think that like a lot of the conversation kind of flowed naturally from that, where that it might not even be like a character that we create, no. but like this idea that like life in ruin is like you have your your home, right? Like you have the place that you live, and you kind of like 
leave out some food for the you leave out some food for the hydra that like more that like mm. crawls out of the muck and like grabs some food like you know what i mean like yes you have these very kind of natural relationships and then that hydra that hydra like if there is a if there is a fire like that hydra blows its ice breath and like puts out some of the brush fires and like the two like yeah. I, i've been thinking the thing that i've been thinking a lot about this is a very silly thing that i think ties very nicely into this prompt I've been thinking about humans and dogs. Okay. Because I've been around to some dogs lately, and they're cute, and I love them, and they're lovable. And I'm thinking about people. And there was a quote that I read on Twitter, Tumblr, on social media. And I wish I remembered who quote who said it. It was some random person. Humans are an animal that is so desperately social that we looked at a wolf, at a big, gigantic, six-foot wolf with big fangs and snarling and, like big huge claws and we pointed at it and said you're my best friend yeah and we picked the one animal that is so desperately social that it lit looked at a hairless wolf standing on two legs making weird warbling noises that it can't make pointing at it and saying you're my best friend and it looked at us and said that's my best fucking friend yeah all right i'm with it this is awesome <laughs> you are my best motherfucking friend I and I, I think of that 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 relationship okay infuses a lot of like that that's been on my mind recently that dynamic because it is a it is a a, a historical thing that like I think about a lot and I think about that in the context of ruin of like if you just like made a friend with a hydra and like yes. you were just like I feed the hydra the hydra take you know there's a brush fire the hydra comes puts it out crawls back in the water. I, 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 I go and I like, I leave out some, I, I, you know, I go fishing and I throw a fish off to the shallow of the lake and a hydra head comes up and eats it. And like, we just have a, a friendship. So what I like about this a lot is you've described people who not, you've described a people who, but it's people who live in their ecosystem in harmony with it, as opposed yeah. to imposing themselves on the ecosystem. Yeah. 100%. You know? Like, it, it, it is people who are like, no, there's giant creatures here, and they're, yes, they're monstrous beasts that are dangerous, but you have to learn your place amongst them. Like, you know, as if we tamed wolves and became their friend, in real life, it was by, like, you know, breaking their fucking will, unfortunately, but, <laughs> and breeding them, but in this case, it would be some kind of communion with the ecosystem, with the monsters, with the animals, with the with the harsh natural environment. I imagine it's, like, windy as fuck 24 mm. hours a day. Like, you, so you learn how to build your house differently. You learn how, you know, you learn to gain the trust of ruin. It's people who, if you love where you live, you are not mean to it. This is a very roundabout way of being like people who live in ruin, love ruin wholeheartedly. They live with that ecosystem and they just, they learn to commune with the monsters. I like this idea of this is a, they're like not hippies, but like nature people. It's yeah. nature. It's a respect for the natural world that yeah, I like. percent That's it's so cool. rare in fantasy. Yeah. It's a good, it's a good energy. It's something that I like a lot. I, I'm happy, I'm happy that it's, but like. And I think that it is, it is unlike a lot, we've, we've got a few other like things that we described where there are people that live in harmony, but I like the idea that this is, but what makes this different for me in my head, and it doesn't necessarily have to be different, it's a big theme of the show, but the thing that like stands out to me as different is like, I like the idea that it's sort of almost 
reciprocal in a non-magical way because out of a little bit out of necessity and a little bit just out of like the nature of things is that it's reciprocal in a like you know you take care of the hydra the hydra takes care of you the giant eagle that flies overhead will like you know you take you know you're kind to it it is kind to you back and like it is that sense of like learning the specific rhythms of this place that could kill you at any moment and instead just being like that's the vibe you know i this is where i live i've learned i've in, i've i've learned and accepted and, and kind of like in uh in uh internalized i've internalized these rhythms of like these are the ways that you are that you're kind to the area around you and these are the the ways that that area is going to be kind to you right back and i think that's a good I think that's a good, uh, strong energy. And it's different. Like you said, uh, it doesn't have to be different. It is because you can't use fucking magic, Jeff. Don't forget, like, you have to learn what a Hydra likes to eat. You can't just be like, I'm going to create a food that's irresistible to a Hydra. I'm going to learn how to control the elements to make it more favorable to me. You can't impose here. You can't. Like, I've I've always seen magic as this problem solver in fantasy that I don't, that I enjoy and don't enjoy at the same time where like every problem in any kind of tabletop world is usually solved by magic. We use that trope a lot where it's like, Oh, I don't know. Magic, magic, magic. But if you strip that away, it's like, you have to learn skills. You can't just learn one called magic to solve everything. You have to be in tune with everything. Everybody's on an equal playing field. You as well as the monsters. And I like this vibe of like, yes, we have hikers in fantasy. We have lore masters in fantasy, people who learn all about monsters. But both of those involve fucking magic. This is something so much different because you're a normal fucking person that we would know. Like if you're a human in fantasy, this is just like fucking me next to a Tarrasque that like, I live next to its cave and I got to figure out how to not die every day. You know, that is fascinating to me. Yeah, I think it's cool. I think it's a good energy. Now, I want, what I want to do is I would like you to pitch me one area of ruin in this, it's like a continent, you know, world size continent scale. What's an area you'd like to briefly touch on? Like an environment, an ecosystem, a a place or Mm. a monster, a something, a detail. Hmm. Let me think about this. Can I, can I give you a prompt? Yes. Where, when you think of your happy place, that's like natural, what does it look like? Like your favorite kind of ecosystem that isn't urban? Genuinely a tough question. I know, I know. But like the prettiest one, one where you're like, oh, I like how that looks, not even to visit. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, I want to know about, Aaron, I want you to tell me a little bit about the sentient lake. The sentient lake? Yes. Fuck me. I feel like... It's a body of water, obviously. It's a lake. Is it actually sentient, or is there so much life in it that, or people mistake it to be sentient? Is there, does it sing? Is there a sound that comes out? Because how people understand if things are alive or not at a simple level is like, does it make sound? Does it eat things? Does it move? You know what I mean? Uh, I think that it's not necessarily, I think that I I, I like all that you said, and where I'm going to run with it is, uh, it is... It does those things because it is so full of life, which is a, a Jeff Stormer. It can be both. Um, there are there are so many like fantastical things in there. There is a there is a school of will of wisps that like 
will like swallow up uh like a giant eagle hole like rise out of the ground like a school of fish Ooh. and you know will of the wisp is just like a glowing light orb and they'll come up and they'll swarm a thing pull it into the water and then and then devour and then that thing will simply no longer be and like and it but it is this thing of like oh it eats things oh it makes sound because there is like a there is like a screeching fish or like a giant like aboleth gigantic squid fish thing that opens its mouth and lets loose this screech and there is it moves because like there are like spectral invisible things on the water that are capable of like almost moving the entire lake and everything in it so periodically it like gets up and kind of like moves around and shifts and it, it is this very sentient seeming thing because it is just teeming with so many like vast other almost unknowable and immensely powerful things in this lake that it has given this sense of of being alive and I think it is surrounded by pine barrens because we've been talking about pine barrens. Of course, of course. Uh, which means that, which means that, uh, true to the pine barrens of New Jersey, it is iron red. Of course, yes. Aaron, can you explain why? Because I don't fully, I know you know why, and I don't fully remember. Oh, it's a mixture of the sediment and the chemicals that are naturally found in like the trees. It's like there's a high concentration of like iron oxide. Like I, it is literally like an iron content turns the water red, so it's clean. But I think it's from the cedar trees. And the mineral content in the water, it turns it like a deep rust crimsony. So that's the color of this lake. And like it's surrounded by pine barrens. And it is this lake that gets up and moves around and screeches and sometimes reaches into the sky with a like a, a light, a, a tendril arm of glowing balls of light and pulls the thing into it. And the truth is, like when it moves, it's a hell of a show. Like you go yeah. and you you go and you sit and you watch and it's And it's dangerous and it's terrifying unless that's your jam. But it's a pretty cool thing to like sit and watch, you know? Like it is I mean, I mean, Old Faithful is dangerous yeah. to watch, but you go and you watch it because oh damn, this thing is shooting hot, boiling hot water into the air. Exactly. And it's it's it, it ties in nicely with this this horrifying for me lake of magic phenomena that moves and can consume things. It fits in nicely for people who are like, oh, that's my jam. I moved onto a mountain that might walk away, but at least I can have a nice view of the sentient lake, you know, at night. So mm -hmm. I, I dig it. I like the fact that it's like it's just people who really like what's going on in fucking ruin. Yeah. Um. For me. What's my eco? What's my thing? What's my locale? Hmm. Oh, it's a shoreline. So there's a shoreline in ruin that's mostly stony, very Pacific Northwest, like rocky. It's a rocky coastline. And what makes it not so much, I feel, I feel like this is where if you were to come to ruin, it's where a lot of people have landed in the past and been like, nope, I'm good. Because I feel like there's a dune there. Mm -hmm. And the dune, I feel like the, the blades of grass that grow from it, they are very, very large. So large that you almost, it, it looks like you're about to enter. It, it kind of, like you said, I'm getting the idea from you said the astronaut perspective thing. Where if you were to land on this beach with like a vessel and you look up and there are skyscrapers to like sized fucking blades of grass, you'd feel like you're in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Like you're in some land of giants and you're just like, nope, turn back. Nope, turn back. I feel like plant life in ruin, while Pure Ether Guild has like, you know, the most and a big variety, I feel like some plants in, in ruin grow very large. 
where it's this combination of like naturally occurring phenomenon mixed with its history of Sarath and order energy and chaos energy and things like that. Like, for example, I imagine on this coastline, these dunes like reach into the sky and behind it is a tree that like exits the atmosphere. And so seeing it, it's known as like, I don't know, people might call it like the welcoming beach or it's like the landing. It's called the landing beach just because it's just given this name because people have gotten there and been like, fuck that. But some people are like, no, that's the best place to like vanish. Oh, there's so many fun creatures and hidden things in the grass and you never know what's going to leap out. And that tree, some... Hold on, there's a literal fucking plane. It's like a biplane. <laughs> Aaron, it's me! I'm flying overhead while recording a podcast! Jeff, stop! Turn back! Hey! Turn back, Jeff, go Aaron, back! look, I'm writing a message in the sky! It says podcast! <laughs> it says, we're making a show! Ah! But I imagine that this this greenery, uh, once you exit this beach, like if you were to walk the sands and you get to the dune, the blades that are like, you know, two stories high, and then you see the sight of this tree looming in the distance that goes like into space. You'd be like, fuck this. This is not for me. But I feel like this Deku-ass tree uh, from Zelda is where, like, you might find, you know, the, the the sap is like a cure-all. It's magic. There's It's just full of dope shit. It's its own microcosm ecosystem, just this tree alone. And if you were to explore it, you'd see basically, like, the entrance into a different world. It's so vast in there. However, no one makes it past the blades of grass. And mm. so it's just this. The welcoming beach is kind of like what people from Ruin like I think laugh at people where it's like I bet you've like when people are like I've been to ruin you're like really I bet you never made it past the welcoming beach yes I have well, what's beyond it um tall just the tall grass and everyone laughs they're like ah, <laughs> ah you'll never know you'll never understand because I feel like when those strong winds blow through the blades of grass they can like if they were to hit the ground you'd like be crushed so just mm. that alone it's like if you're not tough enough to pass through this gauntlet. This is like, it sets the tone, I feel like, of landing in ruin. Or there's this giant sand dune and this daunting tree. And if that's if that shocks you, baby, you got a lot. You ain't ready for ruin. You're not ready for this journey. Does that work? Yeah, I love it. So I like the fact that like Celeste's family are just kind of descendants of people who love it here. They fucking love it. And yeah. when the world is hurt in the in the dark future and magic is fucked up, it takes someone from the world without it to kind of unite the two and bring the world back to balance. Now, can I throw in one final detail Fuck before yes. we wrap up? God, yes. Uh, this is, again, pulling on a thing that's been on my mind lately that I've been excited about lately. Uh, tied into a thing that you said kind of offhandedly that I actually want to pivot. I want to pivot back around and bring back in as loving a way as I can. Okay. You fused a phrase that like actually ties into some stuff that I've been reading a lot about recently. Okay. Aaron, I want to talk to you about hill people. Yeah. I mean, that is like my my family in Puerto Rico, like the the term is like hibero, where it's like it literally means hill people. And that's where like my family is from is like on a mountain in a fucking jungle. Well, I've been reading a lot. I've been reading a lot about labor stuff lately. Yeah. And I've been reading a lot about specifically like the labor struggles. Uh, a lot about, like, the history of, like, Appalachian labor struggles. And, like, uh, I want to throw in a detail, a kind of love letter to a, a lot of the, the... Pulling back the curtain fully, this is my love letter to, to labor activism hey. in, a world, in a world in which 
in a world in which there is no sort of corporate force for labor activism to fight against in this sort of fantasy of a better world that we've created. Yeah. Something that has been like the 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 if you have not read about them, the Appalachian like labor wars are some of the most they are heartbreaking because the corporations often win, but they are some of the most like incredible stories of like working class people genuinely like sticking together and like the stories of 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 people like from across this region like stepping up and like being like we're going to you know if you're going to try and fight we're going to fight and we're going to fight together and like but that sense of true camaraderie really like is something yeah, that is special yeah. to me and here thinking about ruin and thinking about the people in ruin i like this idea that that sort of camaraderie is like very present, right? Like you form your yes. relationship with nature, but you also form a relationship with the people in your in your neighborhood. Like you're not your neighborhood, but like, you know, people you come yeah. across that like, you know, it could be months before you see another fucking person. People look out for people, right? It's that sense yeah. of like of like if we have crossed paths, we are we are family, right? Like that. And it makes sense, Jeff. Like you describe people who live in the ecosystem are a part of ruin if you saw another person you're like you're a part of ruin too i gotta help that you sense out. of camaraderie is very i think it's that sense of like you know you give somebody if somebody if you see somebody hurt you take the you you stop and you 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 figure out how best to care for them right like if somebody needs if you know somebody's nearby needs something you figure out the way to get it to them and you know that if you need something some somebody will figure out the way to get it to you and the yes. closing detail that I want to throw in is to tie it back into Celeste Silverna and to tie it back into a specific yeah. detail of Celeste Silverna. If the world ended, if the apocalypse came, that value of that value of you look out for the people, you look out for your fellow people. The 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 way that I feel like that manifests is if at least one family gets through this, then we've all done our job. You know what I mean? It is, it is, it is, it is any, any one of us would give everything that we had to make sure that the others had what they needed. And even if we're not going to make it through this apocalypse event, if one family gets through, like if, if, if my sacrifice at the end of the, at the end of days, when, when magic, when the world is collapsing around me and the skies are opening and the, the ley lines are, are, are surging if I can make a sacrifice and I can make it easy and, you know, I can give what I have, I'm not going to make it through this, but I can give what I have to make it easier for another family, another group of people to get through this. If at the end of this one family makes it through to the other side, then our community, then, then our community, our village, our, like our way of life, the, 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 the people that we were, will see it, will see it through, even if there's just one family on the other side of this. And so... The Silverna family being there on the other side of this is, even if Silverna won't know this, a triumph of this entire, of the people of this region looking out for one another and saying, we're all in this together, even if we don't all make it out. I love that. I love that a lot. It's like perfect. It's the perfect kind of hero that our show needs where it's a normal person mm-hmm. who's just looking out it's, for other it's people. A, it's a, it is it is the most all my fantasy children thing is a group of ordinary people saying, "I'm gonna do what I have to to make sure that other people around me are safe," and co- together we're going to hold up somebody that is going to do something amazing and special and magical. But all, but even if we are merely ordinary people doing a thing and giving what I can and no and. 
you know, making that sacrifice at the end of my days and saying, like, I'm not going to make it, but I can make it a little easier for you and asking absolutely nothing in return. I love that very much. People look out for people. Can I make a note that I think is cool? So I'd like to make, uh, so something I really like about the artwork that was sent to us from uh, GG Draws on Twitter and is like the official artwork of Celestia Forever because it's so sick. If you live in ruin for a certain amount of time, I think you grow tiny horns. Dope. Because I noticed that Celeste has two little horns in the artwork and I've been like, yeah, this is so good. And I feel like no matter what culture you originally come from, if you're from ruin long enough and you like give in, once you know you're a part of it, you like earn your horns. You become a part of this place between light and shadow. You know, it's you're, 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 you're doing it, you know? And when you have them, it's like, yay. It's like when powers activate in superhero stories. But is, is that a wrap on a fucking a developing ruin and making it? Let, let's let's talk about ruin an episode. <laughs> That's a wrap. Dang! Thank you so much, Fantasy Child at Heart, for your prompt. Fantasy Child at Heart used our prompt submission channel in our Discord, which is a great place to contact us, chat about the show, and otherwise just be cool because it's where the cool kids hang out. But there's a lot of ways that you can send us prompts so we can talk about. Whatever we do on this show, Jeff, can you list all of them for us in a neat, concise place? I sure can. You can tweet at us at AMFC underscore podcast using the hashtag fantasy children. You can post them to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash all my fantasy children. You can email them to us at all my fantasy children at gmail.com. Or you can go to uh, bit.ly slash AMFC discord and post them in the prompt submission channel. Shabooya. On our discord. Um, Boom. Uh, All My Fantasy Children is proud to be a part of the One Shot Podcast Network. The One Shot Podcast Network is home to incredible podcasts, streams, all sorts of dope shit like Skyjack's Careers Call, Asians Represent, Modifier, Design Doc. The list goes on and on, and no matter what your interest is in the hobby of tabletop or just creatives and making things, making podcasts, you will find something that is just right for you and exactly what you're looking for, and that's why we're happy to be a part of that family of products. Speaking about sick families of products, Jeff has a second podcast that you should be listening to. Ah, I do. It's called Party of One. <laughs> it is an actual play podcast focused on two-player role-playing games. Uh, every week on the show, I sit down with a friend. We play a two-player game. We share some laughs, maybe a few tears, and we have a really good time. New episodes drop Mondays, Tuesdays-ish uh, at partyofonepodcast.com. <laughs> Hell yeah. Do you have a verbal hug this week? People look out for people. Yeah. Be like, be in ruin. Be a ruinite. Be a ruiner. <laughs> No, but uh, I, I couldn't. I completely agree. There's a lot of like we're very subtle. I think in our messaging sometimes, and I feel like this one. It's like this episode is about being like you know. It's okay to just focus a lot of your identity around being nice to other people and helping them out and being a part of being a part of something beneficial rather than imposing yourself onto the world and trying to force a thing to be. Just flow with it and be a part of something, and it's okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a good thing to be a part of something bigger than yourself. You know, if that astronaut feeling kicks in in life, it's a good moment to take a step back, look in the mirror and be like, what, what, what part, even though I might be insignificant in the grand scheme of space, the ripple effect is large in the actions that I do. And what do I want to be a part of? What legacy do I want to leave? Even if it's just being nice to everybody I come across or making content that makes people feel good. (laughs) Maybe that can just be it. Nailed it. Dang. Um, thanks everybody for listening to our podcast. Um, Oh, Jeff, if people want to follow you on Twitter, where can they find you? Oh, you can find me at Party of One Pod. Dang. You can find me at Eric Tanasaya is all one word. Um, and that's kind of all we do on this show. That's it. Dang. Crushed it. All right. Well, until next time. Good, good night. night.
and good, good game. game. Hello there, Junior Wizards. It's me, Senior Wizard Aaron, and I come to you with more lore fun about the region of Ruin. Hi, everyone. Wanted to talk a little bit more about Ruin, recap a little bit of the history, and kind of tie everything in and how it fits into Celeste Silverna, if that wasn't clear enough in the episode. So long ago, in the land called Ruin, the members of the Five Jeweled Crown, the rulers of the Five Leyline Cities, battled the most powerful demon fantasy has ever seen, Sarath the Carrion King. The crown proved victorious, and Sarath was defeated, but not destroyed. As we learned in episode 112, Dr. Desmond Ace and the story of the Soul Tree, simply defeating a demon in the traditional fantasy sense, air quotes, does not actually destroy the demon. Using violence to dispatch a demon will solve the problem for a time, but they will always rematerialize in the future. Against beings as powerful as the Five-Jeweled Crown, Sarath Carrion King, for lack of a better term, was sealed away in ruin. Although destined to return, a demon as powerful as Sarath never truly fades from the material plane, the realm in which fantasy exists. A large amount of order energy lingers behind in the demon's wake, affecting everything in the region of ruin. But, but, order energy in itself is not inherently evil. In the same way that magic, or chaos energy when used by denizens of fantasy, is not always inherently good. Yes, order energy exists in opposition to chaos energy, but they do not have to swirl in a cycle of violence against one another. Which, of course, leads us to our hero, Celeste Silverna, the star of our audio drama. A being who, as we've learned, consists of both chaos and order energies. Celeste exists between light and shadow, in the... silver. <laughs> she is a living embodiment of the harmony these forces can exist in if harmful players such as Serath and the Society Arcana are removed from the board and the ley lines can be revived. Or perhaps she will think of a better way to restore light to the dark future of fantasy in some other way. She certainly would know better than me. To be honest, I can't wait to see what she comes up with. Anyway, that was my quick little fun with Erin. I hope this clarified some stuff, and I can't wait to show you what's in store for all my fantasy children. We have a lot of cool stuff coming, and I can't wait to keep telling stories with you all. I love you. Bye!